Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best-selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors, who is Lit Verified. What is the shaman school? No, you're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The Shaman School offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no-nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience, from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society, how to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the Shaman School is a school that we all should have been a part of, one that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I've extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on The Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. All right, Tribe, time to hear from our special guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I'm Shaman Durek, and all of you in the world, we are accelerating. We are moving into higher heights with consciousness. We are moving through all these different emotional levels on the planet right now. And one of the most important things, and we talk about this a lot, is trauma and how we're dealing with abuse and how we're dealing with all of these things that we've been experiencing from our past and how they're bringing that 
into the future and how that limits us from being able to create something new in our life. And, you know, I thought it would be really great because that's where we've been focusing a lot in, in this podcast in these past months about really nurturing and bringing ourselves out of trauma and helping ourselves to a different way of visualizing how we can become and who we can become through that process. And I thought it would be great to have this amazing man, Michael Unbroken, from homeless to hero, is the founder of Think Unbroken, a serial entrepreneur, best-selling author, award-winning speaker, podcast host, business coach, an advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma. Michael started his first business at only eight years old, became an executive at 33, and has worked with multi-fortune 500 brands, small business owners, entrepreneurs to get clarity on the brand positioning, marketing value, and mission. Michael has empowered over 100,000 trauma survivors. And this is one of the reasons why I feel it is necessary to have Michael and his beautiful soul with the tribe so that everyone around the world can hear and learn from this amazing man. Thank you and welcome to the studio, Michael. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. So I want to go right in from you know this path of yours, right? Can you take us through the background and share with us in the tribe on how you became Michael Unbroken? Yeah, you know, and I'll give you the the couple minute download here. So when I was four years old, my mother, who was a drug addict and alcoholic, uh, she actually cut off my right index finger. So that's going to give us context to start with. Um, My stepfather, who she married when I was six, was super abusive. Uh, The kind of guy you pray is never your stepfather. He kicked the crap out of my brothers and I, put me in the hospital multiple times. And I never met my real dad. And I remember laying in bed at night, being like God, spirit, universe, like send my dad to rescue me, you know, thinking he's out saving the world or something, right? And unfortunately, at a young age, I learned that nobody's coming. Spent the majority of my childhood deeply impoverished and homeless. And in fact, I lived with over 30 different families between 8 to 12 years old. And by the time that I was 12, my grandmother adopted me, um, which in some sense is a godsend, but I'm biracial, black and white, and she's an old racist-ass white lady from a town in Tennessee you never heard of. (laughs) And so insert identity crisis. And so I started getting high when I was 12, getting you know marijuana, popping pills, stuff like that. By 13, I was getting drunk. And by 15, I was expelled from school for selling drugs. And you know, I luckily got put into this last chance program. And just could not care less. You know what I mean? And I was out selling, stealing cars, running from the cops, getting shot at, selling drugs, hurting people. So, you know, school was the least of my concerns. I, I was just so busy just trying to figure out how to survive. And I, I don't end up graduating high school. And in fact, during summer school, after all my friends had graduated, I had a teacher come up to me and basically tell me, uh, we're done with you. Here's your diploma. Get out. And I was like, okay, I don't really know what to do. So I landed a job um, putting microchips into motherboards at a warehouse 12 hours a day, all day long, no air conditioning. And, and you just watch the desperation in people's eyes. Like this is the place where dreams go to die. And uh, I ended up getting fired after about a month, probably because I was stoned. And <laughs> I'm sitting in my car and I'm like, all right, hold on, stop, time out. What is the solution for poverty, for homelessness, for abuse, for all these things? And 
my thought was it's got to be money, right? Like what else would it possibly be? And I said, I want to make $100,000 a year legally by the time I'm 21. And that legal part was very important because I have family in prison for life. I've been in handcuffs more times than I can count. And as of today, my three childhood best friends have been murdered. Like I knew where I was going. And so I just started learning skills and, and landed a job with a Fortune 10 company at 21 years old. Again, no high school diploma, no college education. Started making six figures and my life became a complete disaster. And by the time I was 26, I was 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, cheating on my girlfriend. And that's when I put a gun in my mouth. I was done. I just yeah, didn't know I mean, what else um, to do. You know, it's it's interesting because I always say that I went through a lot of abuse growing up. And actually, a lot of your story is very similar. It, there's uh, When you're talking, it brings up things for me as well, because I grew up in a very abused home, um, like locked in closets for eight hours mm-hmm. a day, beaten until I was bleeding and shaking and had to go to the hospital, like really bad stuff. And um, my stepmom and my my dad, they were just, you know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Um, and from that drugs and smoking weed all the time and crystal meth and cocaine and all that, you know, and, and so I hear all of this, right. And it's so fucked up because it's like, you're this kid. And, and I remember I used to think Superman was going to save me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're, you're going through all this shit and you're thinking, what the fuck is this shit? Why am I on this planet? Why the fuck did I get these parents when other people have these parents and like, and then they don't even appreciate those parents. And when you hear your friends talking shit to their parents and you're just like, I didn't even fucking have parents that were there coming home, nurturing me, being there, helping me with my homework. So fuck school. Cause that was me as well. Um, I, I left school. Um, I got a diploma because they, they were just like, get the fuck out, you know? So I told, I'm like, I'm feeling you. Right. People, there's so many other people in the world who've gone through different levels of abuse. And it's not about comparing either or. It's about us recognizing what we're getting from it. So my, so what moment did, inspired you, Michael, to turn your life around and stop being a victim? Well, you know, and that's, that's the right terminology. You know what I mean? And, and people do not want to hear that truth. And I didn't either. You know, I, I thought the solution for everything was money. And so here I am, I'm 25, 26 years old. It's actually funny because I pulled up my W9, W2 for work from when I was 20 years old. Because I was just like, am I making this up in my head? Did I really do this? And I go back and I looked at it and I, I made $99,000 at 20 years old. Amazing. And so I was sitting here like, wait a second. Okay, it's it's cars, it's clothes, it's girls, it's bars, it's drugs. Like this is the thing, right? This is life. This is what it means to be a man and to to be a person. And that rock bottom moment of of putting a gun in my mouth and just being like, I'm done. And I woke up the next day, and you know, it's after the worst day of my life, and I'm sitting in bed. And you have to keep in mind, I'm 350 pounds. I'm eating chocolate cake, smoking a joint, and watching the fucking CrossFit games. Like, <laughs> rock bottom. Like, how does it get worse than that? And this was on the backside of one of my brothers being like, never talk to me again. Like, it was just chaos. And I went and I looked at myself in the mirror in the bathroom. And I'll never understand why I did this. And I remember being eight years old 
And the water company came and turned our water off. I mean, this was normal. They were always turning off our water, the heat, the electricity, whatever. This was a normal Tuesday. And I, I went to the backyard. I got this little blue bucket. I walked across the street to the neighbor's house. And for the first time, I stole water. There'll be many times after this. And I remember being like, man, when I'm a grown up, this is not going to be my life. It's just not. And it wasn't financially, but it was in every other way because I was still that hurt, lost little boy. And as I looked in the mirror, I realized the truth. Like I was breaking that promise to myself. I was playing the victim. I was everything everyone always said I was going to be. And I asked myself a question. And I'll never understand. I literally have no idea where this came from. I was like, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And the words, no excuses, just results, just like started reverberating through my body. And that was the moment. And, and that was 11, almost 12 years ago. And I, I think about that moment all the time. And it's like, I don't want to misconstrue the massive amount of difficulty that preceded that. Because from 26 to 29, it was the three hardest fucking years of my life. It was like, all right, I got to learn how to eat. I have to quit smoking, quit drinking, quit having sex with every fucking person that I meet, take my time to, to heal, go to yoga when nobody was doing it, like all these things. And, and it was like, for the longest time, it was like one step forward, 8 million fucking steps back. And it was just like, if I could just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And, and that declaration I made to myself was really about not being a victim anymore. It was about not being this person who was going to be subjected to what everybody said that he was going to be. And, and because of that, it pushed me forward and it propelled me in this way that it was just this continuation of doing these hard and difficult things. But you asked the question, like, what was the moment, man? Look, that's that Saturday, right? And that moment of looking in the mirror, that was just the thousandth rock bottom. Yeah. That wasn't the first one. That was just the one where I was just like, I'm going to fucking die if I don't change. Yeah, but isn't that the moment? I mean, because, I mean, for me, it would, that was my moment as well, too. I felt like I had to get to rock bottom. I lost everything. I was, you know, and my father, who was very wealthy, like cut me off financially. I was like getting food stamps, picking up, going into uh, shelters, like doing everything I could, like, it, it, and, I, and I had a drug addiction as well to crystal meth. But at the point, it was this point where I realized that if I go any further from here, then I'm just going to, it's, it's, I'm going to die. Right. And I think sometimes people get into this space where they allow these things to, to kind of mold them and they, they utilize a lot of the things that happen to them as their identity. Why do you think so many people hold on to their stories as their identity? Yeah, you're spot on. And you know, over the course of probably the last 18 months, I've been diving really deep into understanding the truth about childhood trauma and abuse. You know, it's not the scars, it's not the cuts, it's not the burns, it's not those moments of being locked in the closet, which I experienced too. You know, it is the theft of identity that is abuse. Because you have to understand it from a, a biological aspect. The, the human brain serves one purpose, right? Survival. Your only function of your brain is to make sure you live long enough to procreate, to watch your procreations procreate. That's it. 
And so when the brain is making meaning of these stimuli going, all right, wait a second. Every time I'm me, I'm hurt, right? Having an opinion, asking for one's needs or interests, putting yourself in a position of vulnerability. Well, the brain goes, well, I don't want to fucking be this anymore. This is dangerous because every time I'm me, I get punched in the face. I get sent to bed without eating. I get beat senseless. Right? Yeah. And now the brain being this autonomic machine takes meaning of all of these stimulus and says, all right, perfect. Well, I know now the most dangerous thing I can do is be me. And that was my experience. And so you realize what I think is probably the most unfortunate part about what I just said is that for a period of time, you turning off placating and not being yourself is a survival mechanism that actually serves you. And when you're 8, 12, 17 years old, your brain goes, it's safe to not be me. And then what happens, you're 22, 36, 48, 90 years old, you don't know how to say yes and you don't know how to say no because the only thing you've ever experienced is I have to be small and shrunken and, and invisible for safety. Yeah. And that's what's so dark about this entire thing is until you actually sit in the truth of that, like really sit in the truth of that, you cannot understand the real impact. Because, you know, growing up, the most dangerous thing for me was walking through my front door every day. I would sit in school and fucking pray for the clock to go slower. Yeah, I'd, I'd be like, for the love uh, of God, shit. do not be 315. Oh, shit. And, and that put me in this weird place where, you know, you'd go home and it's just verbal abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, religious abuse, all the fucking abuses that you can have. And I just got smaller and smaller and smaller. And here's what's, here's what's really interesting. We start to chameleon ourselves, right? You start to be somebody else, what you think people need you to be. Mm. And like, I would dress like you dressed, talk like you talked, wear the clothes you wore just for a semblance of fitting in. But like, here's what's fucking crazy about that. The other kids would notice it, right? Because we're very astute. The, the highest vibrating frequency known to man is authenticity. And so when you look at inauthentic people, your gut goes, whoa, hold on a second. There's something not copacetic here. And, and the truth about that is we know it's not us, but we're so scared to be us that we cannot step through it. And so, you know, the really devastating part about this again and, and tying to answering your question is, you know, losing your identity through childhood trauma and abuse means that you have to create who you are. And that's ultimately the most difficult thing that we do because now you have to recognize the truth that in creation comes iteration and you're going to fail yourself into figuring out who you are. And it's going to be fucking difficult and ugly and uncomfortable. But on a long enough timeline, what will happen is you'll realize like, oh my God, I'm actually me finally. And, and that's my hope. That's what I pray everybody can have. But you've got to get the fuck out of victimhood. You've got to remove yourself from these ideations about who it is that you should be. And you've got to be willing to step into who it is that you want to become. And, and you're going to need clarity about that. You're going to need to be like, this is who I want to be. You're going to need to write it down and probably go to therapy and read books and get a coach and listen to podcasts and fucking mess up a lot. And then eventually 10 years later, you're going to be like, cool, I'm really okay with my life. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when you speak, it's so, it, 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 it rings so true for me. 
I was a person who, you know, resulted to being overweight. I had an eating disorder. Um, I did a lot of drugs. And then, you know, I just kind of let myself go to shit because I played so small because I felt like every time I was trying to be me, I was like you said, and people go through this all the time, they get attacked. And then one day I was watching my father drowning my sister. And when I saw that, something woke up in me. This feminine spirit woke up in me. It was like this feminine and masculine energy of my being, this woman inside of me came up and I just attacked him. And I made a decision in my life that I was going to fight to the death to find my identity. And it didn't matter what it was going to be. I was going to do that because that was the only way I could love myself, you know? And, but sometimes in life, people just keep staying beaten down and beaten down and beaten down. My awakening from what you're talking about, I became a fighter and I became the, my father and my stepmom's worst nightmare. And then it was only from there was I able to reclaim my own identity and, and, and who I am and what I believe and. You know, and and now to, to this day, it's great because I don't give a shit what any, I mean, people write tabloids about me all the time and I just been like, whatever, that's what you choose to say. But it came from that abuse. It came from that experience. But let's talk about the people who don't get the, to that experience. People who stay in that small state, in that state where they feel like they have to keep staying subservient. They have to keep putting up with the bullshit. They have to, they have to keep, uh, you know, what I call handing over their identity their reason for being, right? Because even being, a, being um, a, a man of color on this planet, being a black man, I used to always say as a kid, I feel like I'm always negotiating um, my existence to humanity, right? And so people are negotiating their existence to their family, to their spouse, to, you know, to, to, to whoever, their government, whatever it may be. What is your idea when it comes to them being able to come out of that. What do they have to bring into their mind? What do they have to do, my brother? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that is the question, right? Like, that's the question. And, and ultimately, here's the truth about it. And this is an uncomfortable truth and a truth that people don't want to hear and a truth that will upset people and a truth that sometimes gets me emails and say, how dare you talk about this? Because you're insensitive. <laughs> but, but the truth uh, about it is... I love you already. <laughs> nobody's fucking coming to save you, man. There ain't no Disney moment. Whatever you think is going to happen in your life is only going to happen through taking massive action. You're going to have to do the thing that keeps you awake at night. Like I tell people all the time, like... If you are willing to address that thing that is in your head that keeps you awake, that has you writhing at fucking four o'clock in the morning, that every time you have a semblance of peace in your life, it sparks itself to the surface, that's the thing that you need to address first. And if you're unwilling to do that, then shut up. Because guess what? It's not going to change. Now, look, there, there are support mechanisms that need to be instilled in this. Like, I really mean this. I've done all the therapies. You name it, I've done it. I've done all the coaching. I've got all the certifications. I've done all the personal development. I've done all these things. And it's taken all of it to get to where I am today. And, and people think like, oh, I'm going to read one book and my life's going to be different. No, it's not. They're gonna like, I'm going to go to therapy and life is going to... No, it's not. In fact, if I could do anything over again, what I actually would have done first is I would have gotten a coach and then I would have gone to therapy because you need to start changing behavioral patterns first 
and instilling your in yourself the idea that you are allowed to do something different than what you're doing now. And people get so freaking caught up in this idea that they're not good enough. The truth is, you're probably not. But guess what? The greatest part about life is this word called yet. You're not good enough yet. You're not healed yet. You're not successful yet. But if you're willing to show up every single day on a long enough timeline, that's going to happen. But until you address that thing that makes you suffer, right? That thing, like every single day, you're like, I need to leave this relationship. I need to quit this job. I need to share my story. I need to speak on stages. I need to write books. Whatever that thing is that you feel this inherent need to do, until you fucking do that, nothing's different. And people want to say, well, you know what? It's, it's, I blame the world. I blame the environment. I blame community. I blame my family. Look, I used to blame everybody. I blame you, my parents, my community, my teachers, Obama. Like it was fucking everybody's fault. It was never Michael's fault. <laughs> and you have to understand this thing that you are not culpable for the bad things that happened to you as a kid. You're not. But every fucking decision you make from this very second forward is on you. And you can blame every... Look, I've rarely, if ever, met anyone who had a worse childhood than me. Every single day I look down at my hand, I look at this finger my mom cut off. I look at the seven surgeries. I look at the burn marks, the cuts. I look at being homeless, of living with strangers, of being molested, of all this. And guess what? The more I blame the world, the worse my fucking life got. And, and I'm not taking culpability for that stuff. I promise you, that is not on me. That is on them. That is fucking generational trauma. But what I am saying is right now in this moment, as I continue to progress and to move forward and to look at what is next, I, I'm willing to do the things that I preach. Get community, hire a coach, have a therapist, read the books, listen to the podcast, go to the events, invest in yourself, do all the things that you haven't done because what you've been doing has got you to where you are. And if you want something different, you're going to have to do something different. And, and if you want to play the victim, I'm telling you right now, nobody cares. They don't. And if you want to play the victim and you, and you end up on your deathbed and you have not done the things that you know you need to do, the final thoughts in your mind are going to be regret. And that is a life unlived. Absolutely. Well spoken. Yes. Woo! You know, one of the difficult things for me being a shaman is that everyone thinks that when you're a shaman, everything in your body is supposed to be perfect. Everything's going to be perfect. Because why? Because you're the shaman and you should be able to heal yourself. But you know, that's not true. And that's a false myth. Because it doesn't matter if you're a healer or if you're a shaman, if you're a doctor, it doesn't matter if you're a lawyer, it doesn't matter if you're an artist or a dancer, your body gets affected in this world. And then I came across Wisdom Health. Wisdom Health gets me the access that I need to amazing holistic and functional medicine doctors for more than half off the industry average. For me, someone who travels around the world and speaks on stage to hundreds of people and does television, and I have so much stress and I need the support to someone to help me to maintain my health and my body. 
And ever since I was able to work with a functional medicine doctor, my digestive problems, my skin breakouts, my chronic pain, all of it got better because they found the source of what was causing those situations in my body. So many people out there who have been misled to believing that their conditions are incurable just because there's not a medication for it. The truth is, digestive issues, autoimmune issues, chronic skin issues, chronic pain, diabetes, hormones, you name it, are all reversible. Wisdom doctors help you to generate a personalized plan to address your chronic health issues. They use diet, lifestyle changes, and target supplements to help you address the real underlining health issue, not masking it with medications. I have to live my best life being who I am. And I know that when I got involved with Wisdom Health, I knew that I had the support system that I was looking for for a very long, long time. It's time to optimize our body. It's time to make sure that we understand the root cause of our gut and our microbiome and be able to create something different for ourselves from anxiety to nagging depression. We need to understand how to create better health and Wisdom Health does that. Wisdom is just $29 a month and you can book your choice of amazing practitioners from anywhere in the country. Join Wisdom today and use the code Shaman D. Go to wisdomhealth.co backslash shaman D or use the code shaman D when signing up to get your first two months of your membership for free. That's wisdomhealth.co slash S H A M A N D or use the code shaman D when signing up. Tribe, I'm telling you. We can't keep trusting the system to fix our health problems. It's time for us to look elsewhere. It's time for us to gain wisdom for a betterment of our lives. And that is Wisdom Health. Love you. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. You know, one of my, I'm such an asshole. So one of my things that I always say to my clients is that yeah, you actually like it. You love it. Like I use this, this like I, you know, a woman says to me, oh, I'm in this abusive relationship. I'm like, you love the abusive relationship. You love it. That's why you're in it. You enjoy it. Like you're willing to sacrifice. You're willing to give into that than to give into you. So you obviously, that because I always say in spirit, wherever we sit is where spirit creates from. So I always tell people like, you enjoy that. You love doing that. So let's, let's acknowledge that. It's like one, I did this one workshop where I had everyone come in and the first thing I had to write on the piece of paper is I hate myself because. And the moment they actually were able to acknowledge and see that and say that is the moment they were willing to actually start making the change. And it's really fascinating as human beings because we can say, let's put a bottle of poison on the table and say, would you drink that poison? And, it, and everyone would see the cross and bones and go, no, I'm not going to drink that poison. Going to what you're saying. But the thing is, they are drinking that poison every single day. They just don't see the bottle in front of them. And it's that, it's that part of humanity. And this is something that I talk a lot about when I'm traveling around the world and speaking, is this part of humanity 
that loves to put its emphasis on tearing itself down and playing the victim as a way to receive the love that they didn't get or the acknowledgement or the attention or the value or the sustenance that they feel that they didn't get from the people around them, right? And what I want to ask you in regards to that is, Why do you think people on the planet keep, you know, because there's this whole mentality of, you know, um, people suffering, like, you know, in shamanism, we say people suffer from their past because they keep trying to heal the past instead of um, decide where they're going to be. So the fact that they keep trying to heal this ancestral curse, why did this happen to me? How could these people do this to me? How could they be so mean to me? You know, this kind of thing. Why do you think people feel like they have to keep going into that instead of just realize that you will never be able to answer that question, Mark? Why do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's a really fascinating question. And it's because that's what we know, right? We're we're the sum total of all of our experiences leading up to this moment. So that means everything that we've ever known, seen, done, experienced informs who we are. And for many people, because it's so easy to follow in that narrative and to be that person that they were, that's where comfort is. Like, that's the thing people really need to understand. It's just like what you said about the abusive relationship. Like, there is a truth in people loving that. Like, I'll go look at my old relationships. I mean, they were fucking insane. Like, there's a 0% chance I would be in a relationship like that today. Like, they were fucking insane. And, and like, but that's where it comes from because look, it's learned experience. It's learned behavior. You watch your parents yell at each other, hit each other, fight each other. You and your siblings do the same. The community does. Everybody hits, hurts, right? And then now you're in that situation too. Well, think about this. When we are in comfort, we'll continue to move towards comfort. I mean, I promise you, being 350 pounds did not happen because I was trying, right? You know, and so when you're in this position, you're looking at your life, I, I hear my clients say this all the time. I hear trauma survivors say this all the time. And it, I fucking hate it. They're like, I thrive in chaos. I'm like, uh, do you know how stupid that is? That's so like, stupid. That is, it is. And here's why it's so stupid. Because why would you not want to thrive in prosperity and abundance and peace and love and hope and joy and empathy and grace? Because that's where I want to thrive. That's where I want to exist. I don't want to exist. Wait, wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. Say it again for the people in the back. Yeah. Well, right it's, there. it's very true. Thriving in chaos is dumb because you've already done that. Aren't you ready to do something new? And so when I think about thriving, I think about, okay, well, if thriving means to be able to move into the unknown, which is uncertainty, if all you ever know is pain and suffering, moving into happiness and love and compassion is fucking scary, way more scary than staying in an abusive relationship because yeah. you ain't never done it before. That's right. And so now you're over here stepping into it, but you have this narrative that has been implanted in you from your environment. And it says, be this way. And then you have to do this really difficult thing called making a fucking decision. And in that decision-making <laughs> process, the thing that you must do is decide to no longer be that. Now, look, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be a fucking uphill battle. 
to getting to the other side of that choice. Because here's what I think about all the time. It's like there is this chasm and on the other side of it is everything you've ever wanted. But you're on the other side of it right now, staring at the depths of what you have to move through to get to what you want. And so what you have to do is, A, you have to realize patience, even though I do not like that word, plays a huge role in this because you're going to fail a million times before you get to where you have a foundational understanding. One of the things that people really, really need to hold on to in this trauma healing journey is that whereas the vast majority of people have the ability to have self-discovery in childhood in a safe, compassionate, and loving space, people who had traumatic experiences do not. So whereas their failures had a support mechanism where they would be caught and say, okay, cool, well, let me help you understand this. For trauma survivors, we don't get that. And so now we're failing in real time and the stakes are much higher. Absolutely. Because of that, people are so terrified to move into the unknown because there's just so much more. There's there's this idea about bills and kids and relationships and job and all that shit. And I'm like, yes, you can leverage that and use that as the reason as you cannot go forward. Or you can double down on understanding that those are the exact reasons why you should move forward. Because I'm going to tell you right now. I'll go go look at the fucking statistics. It costs about $800,000 per individual over a lifetime if you have unhealed trauma. Just go look at the census. It's in there. It's the numbers are there. You're losing probably a million dollars in your life because you're unhealed and and probably underpaid, underselling yourself, being under, right? There there are people right now who I know in the world who are genius. They're geniuses. They have the greatest skills in the world but they're making $15 an hour because they're scared. That's right. Right? And they're in relationships that suck because they're scared. And they are unhappy living in the same fucking neighborhood they grew up in because they're scared. My, My greatest advice to anyone, anyone who is in a healing journey is to be willing to face their fear, is to just do it. Because guess what? The worst case scenario is death, but you're going to fucking die anyway. So you might as well do it on your terms. I like that. Mm, that's good. That's, that's some juice right there. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's true. And I think that, you know, what I think what, you know, for me, I think people are very codependent. Um, and this is something I see in the nature of humanity is this codependency that the system has built them into, you know, the, 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 what I call the matrix or the system has built a codependent factor, which is we look towards authority figures. So we look towards principles of power that are above us because of the way that we were raised. You know, there's a, uh, the way that we look at it as shamans is we say that, the singular, the singular um, adaptation is where there's someone who is dictating to you the rules, the morals, the ideas, and the concepts, whereas the dual adaptation is where you can actually tell your parents, you're actually um, doing this and this and this, and you need to grow too, right? So, And this is the tribal way that it used to be, where it was all about community and every person at the tribe, you know, the saying that I always say to people is just because you're older, you're not an elder, you know, um, it, it the, the understanding of everyone being able to support the cooperation of growth and emotional intelligence and 
being able to, to hold that space that everyone has a possibility to grow. You know, even in the spiritual and, and health and wellness community, I see, you know, people like you can't go to Deepak and you can't go to different people and, and tell them information and they're going to be open to receive it so much because they put themselves up on this plateau of hierarchy and they don't understand that we have to stay humble into ourselves so that we're able to receive information and grow from each other. And this is how we build the collective. So the way people grow up is they grow up, they're looking for the authority figure. The authority figures don't think they have anything to to gain by growing and evolving and learning new information. So what happens is it creates this very chaotic state of, of development. So human beings begin to operate in this idea of never trusting themselves and always looking for something above them or in front of them to to give their power to. And I I see that as a lot of a big issue when it comes to identity and why human beings um, stay the way they are and why things are stuck in Groundhog's Day on our planet and why things keep recycling themselves over and over. And we keep seeing the same bullshit and the same bullshit and the same bullshit you know, over and over and over again. My question to you is we have to look at it from this youth, from the youth, the young children, right? Because that's we have to start developing the seed before it grows. What is some of the ways that you think Unbroken is supporting the younger generations in this uh, understanding? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think life is very secular, right? And the information that we get is passed down to us coming back to tribal, right? If tribal knowledge is the way that you interrupt patterns, then I think for me, one of the most important things is in giving people the information where, where they are right now so that they can go and instill that into their families, into their communities, their churches, their neighborhoods, their lives. Because through doing that, what happens is you start to as a person, become a measurement for what those kids are looking at, right? And I I would love to say that ultimately at the end of the day, it's like one person can change the world, but I, I don't believe that. I truly don't. I think it takes a collective. It takes a massive number of people. It takes millions of people to change the world. And so my thought has been, all right, if we can help people where they are, like the stuckness that they feel and being trapped. One, I heard Ed Milet say this the other day, and it just was like unbelievable. It's one of the most profound things I've ever heard anybody say. And he said, one form of child abuse that people don't talk about is parents not following their dreams. And I was like, damn. Because how true is that? As children, what do we do? To your point, we look for authority. We look for people to guide us. We look for the people who are leading the way for us, whether that's teachers or principals or older sibling or our parents. And if they are not living in a healed state, if they are not living in a state of abundance and joy and love and peace and compassion and empathy, then how in the hell can we change youth? Because kids are only going to... I'll give you a perfect example of why this makes sense to me. When I was about 12 years old, one of, I never tell this story. One of my best friends gave me a copy of Jay-Z's Blueprint. And that, for me, became what manhood was. And that 
planted this seed that on a long enough timeline would come to fruition. Money, women, drugs, cars, clothes. Well, guess what happened about 10 years later? Money, women, drugs, cars, clothes. I, I was following exactly the blueprint Right. And and I love Jay-Z to this day. So I'm I'm not like throwing shade at him. I'm just yeah, saying yeah, sure. that was the measurement for manhood, for adulthood, for what it meant to be a, a human being. And if we can instill in adults today this information, and if they're willing to receive it, then what happens is the children who are watching them are going to grow up with a different mindset. And instead of them being coached by me in 10 years, they're living a totally different life. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very, I, I think leadership is so important. And what, when, you, when it comes to leadership, what is your key ingredient to see, uh, to see a heart-based leadership? Yeah, authenticity. I mean, you know, one of the things that's been really interesting about my life is having been in leadership roles pretty much since I was 18. I mean, at 18 years old, I had 52 people working under me, right? Working for a fast food joint. And I've hired, I don't know, four or 500 people in my career. Right now, there's multiple people who work under me in all my different organizations. And, you know, vulnerability and authenticity has become the cornerstone of what I believe leadership needs to be. And not even in the work environment alone, but in this, because I'm a leader in the trauma space. Like I know that. I'm a leader in this space about talking about this really, really nasty thing that exists in the world called childhood trauma and abuse. And so in that, I have to show up as myself every day. I have to be me first and foremost. You said something that I think is really important that you don't care what people think about you. That is the greatest gift that someone can receive from the world because I don't give a fuck if you like me or not. I don't. It's like, love me. You could hate me. It does not impact me either way because what I've come to discover to be the truth is that the most important thing that I can do is be okay with the reflection in the mirror. And as long as that holds true for me and I operate, then that is who I will continue to be. I mean, I'm fucking six foot four, covered in tattoos, head to toe, gold nose ring, drive a real big truck that's loud. And, you know, I talk about kindness and love and peace. And people will often be like, how dare you? Who do you think you are? I'm like, I'm fucking me. If you don't like it, move on. It's fine. And so because of that, I realized there are people who will look towards me and there are people who will not. And that's okay either way because I'm going to be here to serve regardless. And I think at the end of the day, it is that authenticity and that vulnerability, you know, sharing these dark stories, sharing this pain, sharing the, also the come up, like the other side of it. Like I sit in my life today and I'm happy. Like what else is there? I'm good. And if we can give people those tools, like that's what it's about. But you cannot deliver that message if you're full of shit. Because everybody's gonna know. Yeah, for sure. I remember, you know, it's funny because I, I was such, I was bullied a lot at school and dealing with all the abuse and stuff. And then one day, I was, I started noticing everyone in school was trying to fit in, and I just decided, you know what, fuck everyone. I'm not gonna fit in. I'm just gonna be the fucking crazy guy that they think I am, you know. And it that actually ended up making me popular because I stuck to it. I stuck to who I was, you know. And even in my life, with where I am in my life now you know, going into the rural family and being, you know, marrying the princess and and people attacking me like they did Megan. And I get this crazy shit where people will say the craziest shit about me. 
And at first in the beginning, when the tabloids got crazy on me and everyone was going to my high school and going to my schools, talking to my old landlords, digging and digging and digging about my drug addictions, digging and digging and putting it out in the press all the time. I got to a point where I woke up one morning and I was just like, fuck it. Whatever they want to say, they can say I'm a seven headed dragon. I don't give a shit. I'll throw some shit at them just to have some fun with it. Because there's a point where you have to own your existence. You have to own who you are. No one has the right to, people can say whatever the fuck they're going to say. People have an opinion, you know, and if their opinion isn't about making change in the world, I don't really give a shit to listen to them, you know, because my whole thing is, is that, you know, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to look at myself and change myself to, um, and, and, and in a way that makes me look horrible and, and ugly and bad and whatever people want to paint me as because it makes them satisfied. Fuck their satisfaction. They can think whatever the fuck they want to think. I don't give a shit. At the end of the day, what I care about is how I feel about myself, um, my relationships and my authenticity with my friends and my family, um, my kindness, my generosity, my willingness to show up and get the fuck out of the bed every day and come in and be like, I'm here. Now let's let's be real and having people like yourself on my podcast, sharing it with the world so that we can really talk about the real shit, you know? And I think there comes a point where, you know, um, you know, this, I was working with these kids and this one girl was getting made fun of because she was overweight and she was in ballet class and all the other kids were skinny and whatever. And I said, I go, do you want to join my club? And she goes, what's your club? And I said, it's called the I don't care club. And I said, but in order to join my club, I said, you have to not care. So I can make you a little badge. You know, you get a little club membership, you know, and so forth. And it's like, we have to come into that point. And so what's one of your tips and your advice that you have for people to become the hero of their story and not the victim of their story? Yeah. Well, I mean, go listen to everything we've been talking about for the last 50 minutes. Why don't you start there? Um, yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's... I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if they haven't got I, it I, yet. I think about the... Yeah, right. I, I think about this acronym quite frequently that I created called TEAM. T-E-E-M. And that stands for time, effort, energy, and money. If you want to change your life, you're going to have to invest one, but chances are you're going to have to invest all four. And and money is the one that people are often most terrified of. And I have found that through investing in myself financially, having coaches, going to seminars, reading the books, doing those things, like it's changed my life, like really in ways that I cannot even explain. I got got all these photos behind me you can't see with some of the most famous and influential people on planet earth who I'm in connection with. Why? Because it all started with this idea where I was like, wait a second, why don't I spend money on myself instead of spending on money on shit that doesn't matter? And and I'll be honest with you, at the beginning, I was the guy who was like, I'm not buying a book. I'm not buying a book. I'm just not doing it. Are you kidding me? For what? For what? Right. And and now fast forward a decade later, I've read like 500 or something. It's crazy. And and when I first started getting into courses, man, I remember being like $47 to learn something. What is this? And then when I got into coaching, I was like, oh shit. I need to spend 10 grand on this. Okay, that's terrifying. Do it anyway. That's the exact reason why you should do it because you're scared. And if you're scared, that means you're making the right decision. Now, if you're scared because you think somebody's about to fuck you over, like trust your guts, right? But if you're scared because you're like, I don't know how I'm going to make this work, 
you will find a way to make it work and you yeah. need to do it. And you need to spend your time. You need to spend your effort. You need to spend your energy going through this process. And, and I think also one of the things that's really important is you have to come to the realization of the truth that once you sign up for this, this is a rest of your life game. Yeah. Every single day for the rest of your life, you're playing this game. Exactly. It's just not going to end. You know, and I, I'll teach my clients, even when they leave the program, I'm, I'm like, cool, great. Just don't forget for the rest of your life, you have to do this. Because even now today, I mean, look, people look at me and they go, man, you're the guy. Right. You're you're the leader in this space. You're on more shows than anyone. You speak on more stages than anyone. You're you're doing this more than anybody. I'm like, man, I still got fucking hard days where I gotta drag my ass out of bed, remember why the fuck I'm here and get to work. Yeah. And and that starts with my mindset. That starts with my attitude. That starts with showing up anyway, especially when I'm hard when it's exhausting, when it's tiring. You know, I was in I was a couple of weeks ago, I was in speaking in New York City. And I had this beautiful experience where I have this billboard up in Times Square and I was riding this high wave and I looked at my calendar and I was like, oh shit, that's right. I got to run this marathon on Sunday. And so I get home on a Friday night at like midnight. I'm exhausted. Go to sleep, wake up Saturday. I can tell I'm in trouble, like just tired from the week. Sunday, 4 a.m., time to go to work. Got in the car, drove there, ran the marathon, did the thing showed up. It's really easy when life is hard, when you're tired, when you're exhausted, just go, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's fine. Who's going to know? You're going to fucking know. And the most important thing about who you are is showing up for yourself. And I'm not telling you anything anybody hasn't fucking told you before, but I'm telling you the truth. You keep not showing up for yourself. You keep doing what you're doing and watch your life stay the same. And for those of you who choose that path, good luck. Yeah, good luck. Thank you so much for your wisdom, your words. There are just, you know, everyone who's listening is definitely benefiting from this talk for sure. How can people find you, get in touch with you, get involved with you? Yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere on social uh, at Michael Unbroken. Um, and if you go on to thinkunbroken.com, you'll find our Discord community, our podcast, video courses, all kinds of free everythings uh, just at thinkunbroken.com. Excellent. And, um, and you're also, um, a, do you do TikTok or just Instagram? Yeah, I'm literally every social platform. It's all Michael Unbroken. So we, we put everything Excellent. everywhere all the time. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being with us on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. My pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more. And remember, tribe, no matter what, stay lit.